everybody. Howdy, 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 howdy. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 30 of the Just Joe podcast. Big three zero. We are now in our third decade or whatever you want to call it. Um, the guest I have this week is we're going into the world of uh, veganism, I guess. And also into music, because this is an old dear friend of mine from high school. I know I say dear friends of mine a lot, but it's true. A lot of these people that I have on here and why I reach out to them is that I have a lot of interesting people in my life. Now, this person is the co-owner of Strong Hearts Cafe here in Syracuse. There's two locations. One, uh, they got a brand new location that they just moved into, and they have a location up on the Ashu Hill as well. They've, um, they've been a staple in this town for... Whew, I, I, I'm going to, I'm guessing right now, 15 years or more at this point, um, completely vegan cafe. Uh, it started in a little small place in Syracuse near the Crown Plaza and, and then ended up just expanding from there, you know, and it, this isn't your normal vegan food. Like when people think of vegan food, uh, they think of, you know, unflavorful you know, just stuff that just doesn't taste good. But I'm telling you what, I love Strong Hearts Cafe. I am not vegan. And some people have seen me in there and they're like, um, I didn't know you were vegan. I'm like, I'm not vegan, but I like good food and good food exists here at Strong Hearts Cafe. And they have these shakes and I can't call them milkshakes because there's no milk in them. There's no dairy in them. But if I gave you one, you would not know. They are amazing. They're a great little brand here. Uh, and the guy that co-founded it is my buddy, Joel Capolango, who is a hometown boy from my hometown of Central Square, graduated a few years after me. So I always get excited when I see people from my hometown do so well. So we're going to talk about Strong Hearts Cafe. I'm going to get him to talk about that. We're going to talk about his his um, his journey as a vegan because he's been a vegan since as long as I can remember going way back to when it wasn't even cool and it was very difficult to be that. I want to talk about Strong Hearts. I want to talk about that and also his love of music um, because a lot of the veganism and the and the hardcore scene here uh, melded in and really was an epicenter in the in the mid nineties. So we'll get into all of that, but enough of what we'll talk about. We'll talk about more of it. Enough of me talking is what I should say. And let's just get into the interview. Everybody, please welcome my good friend, Joel from Strong. Hey, Joe. I can't remember how many years has Strong Hearts been open now? Strong Hearts opened in May of 2008. So going on 13 years yeah, now. I was guessing. I'm like, it's got to be almost nearly 15 years at this point, which is crazy to think about. Like, do you... Does it feel like yesterday or does it feel like a longer trip? Uh, it depends on the day, honestly. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like 13 days and other times it feels like 13 years, you know, it really depends on the day. But uh, by and large, the time is kind of flown right by. And is this, and I mean, I told everybody in the, in the intro of this that, you know, this is, this is a vegan cafe and it was like really kind of ahead of its time in my in my opinion uh because it, it, and when you think of vegan cafes you always think of like oh it's it's flavorless it's this it's that it's it's people have a preconceived notion of it but i tell everybody go strong hearts is like dude, you anybody even if you don't eat vegan food you're going to eat there because there's something there for you to eat now when you first started the vision for this was that the goal in mind yes it was um customers like you are the exact kind of customers we were trying to get to come into strong arts and everything was crafted with that intention in mind. Like we knew that we would get the vegans, you know, because right. uh, back then we were pretty much the only viable vegan option in town. So our goal was to reach out to omnivores like yourself yep. who were just interested in eating delicious food and maybe being a little healthier at the same time. Yeah. So everything was built like our menu, um, the ambiance, like the way we interacted with people was built around that messaging. And I know, man, it's, it's, it's been crazy to see you guys grow and to, to see where you've, you've gone, you know, in these 13 years and, you know, and I, and I prefaced office also this, that you've been vegan for as long as I can remember, probably back into high school, right? 
Yeah, it's, I'm kind of dating myself here. I'm, I'm, I think I'm just a year or two um, younger than you are. I yeah. think you graduated uh, a year ahead of me. I did. Um, but I went vegan in between my junior and senior year in high school. So that was 1993. <laughs> so you're t- nearly 30 years, man. Almost, yeah. Yeah, because I do remember right around that time when I was a senior in high school, and there was a, there was a core group of you guys that were all into the the hard you know the 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 scene that was going on mm-hmm. in Syracuse that I wasn't it, it wasn't hip to at that point and everyone was kind of going that way like but to be vegan nearly thirty years ago was incredibly hard incredibly hard because your options were very minimal and there wasn't like I mean you just kind of ate the same thing all the time correct or was it you know yeah, yeah everything you said is totally true and keep in mind I was 15 years old I'm not I wasn't an adult you know so um I ate I did eat a lot of the same thing and a lot of it was very unhealthy (laughs) you know it was cheeseless pizza and french fries and taco bell bean burritos you know um the options were severely limited and you did a lot of cooking at home because you you couldn't go to a vegan restaurant at that time because they they didn't exist, you know? So you got like a vegetable sandwich at Subway or a uh, bean burrito at Taco Bell and you were happy. Like that was great, but just to have something, you know? Yeah. Um, of course, times have changed and, you know, the options are almost endless now. Um, but it was a much different scene. It was a much different thing back then. If you were vegan in 1993, it was because you really wanted to be and you really cared because it was not easy. Yeah. Because I mean, now it's like it, anybody, but I think I'm going to be vegan, you know? And it's like, it, it's all well and good. Like that's awesome that you have that choice. But when you made that choice, it wasn't is it wasn't trendy. It wasn't because, Oh, it's, it, it was, it was completely for different reasons than what most people are doing for it now. But I mean, l- let's ask that. I mean, that's the ultimate question. What made you want to go that way? Uh, so it actually started the year before in 1992. Um, I went to my first hardcore punk rock show at the Lost Horizon, um, November 1992. And, uh, I saw a band called Sick of It All, which is a pretty legendary hardcore band from New York City. Mm -hmm. Um, my buddy, Jeremy Frary, who is also a friend of yours and went to the same high school we did, uh, let me borrow the cassette tape from the band. Um, the album was called Blood, Sweat, and No Tears. And back at the time, I was a metalhead, but I wasn't, I didn't even really know what hardcore and punk was. So when I listened to that tape, it sounded a lot like Helica and Ozzy and stuff I was already into, but it was like way faster. <laughs> yeah. And like way, way more, like the songs are like a minute and 30 seconds long instead of five minutes long. <laughs> But it had that same kind of like ferocious intensity that I, I was hooked on. So when I heard the music uh, on that cassette tape and I heard that they were playing a show in Syracuse, I just had to go. And it's really not hyperbole or an exaggeration to say that single day, that single concert I went to back in 1992 totally changed my life. Like I wouldn't be the person I am today if I hadn't gone to that show. Um, it was just the energy and the intensity and honestly, like the positivity, it's very like, it can kind of seem like angry, aggressive music, but it had a really positive energy. And I was seeing people like jump off the stage into the crowd, which I had, I didn't even know that happened that show, you know? So that, that, that kind of positive energy. And like, if you fell, people would help you back up and you would keep dancing. And it was a really cool vibe. And at that show, I picked up some literature off a table from a group called the Animal Defense League. And at the time, I wasn't vegan, I wasn't even vegetarian, but uh, my friends were vegetarian and vegan, so I picked the information up. I didn't really think much about it. And when I got home, I read it, and it really struck a chord with me. It really made sense. And the more I read, the more I learned. Um, I think I went vegetarian a few weeks later and vegan like, six months later. So that's really kind of like the origin story of becoming vegan was 
going to that single show and getting that information. That's crazy. I mean, that's the one thing I, I didn't get to go to a hardcore show because by the time I went to college and I was invested really in a whole other world when I was in college, but then I started coming home. A lot of my friends were getting into the hardcore scene here in Syracuse. And as I said in the intro, like we were an epicenter uh, for like hardcore and veganism, like that whole, the, the whole kind of like fusion that happened in the mid nineties and straight edge. And that really like spurred out of like, I mean, obviously New York city was the birth of where hardcore came from, but Syracuse in the mid nineties had this, like we were the epicenter for that next wave. And obviously leading the wave was earth crisis. And then it would just kind of went from there. So like when I finally went to my first, when I went to my first hardcore show, and it was to go see Earth Crisis at the Lost. The one thing that I noticed that was different from the metal shows that I was going to at that time was that positivity you're talking about. Like there was an aggression at both shows that were very similar, but there was a stark difference between a metal show and a hardcore show. Because at a hardcore show, when, like you said, when someone fell down in the pit, someone helped them pick, the, pick them up. At a metal show, you fall down, someone's going to keep trying to keep you on, on the floor. You know, there's this really macho aggression thing. And then after a song at a metal show, everyone's like, yeah, it's still crazy. Where at a, at, at a hardcore show, like people clapped. Like it was like an opera almost. So it's like, all right, cool. We're stopped and we're, we're going to clap. We're going to listen to what they got to say. And then when this next song ripped and it was like, I was back at it. It was like, wow, what a different so similar but yet so different you know everything you said is totally true and in between songs at a hardcore show the band would explain like what the music was about they would they would talk to you about like hey, the last song was about this the next song is about this and there was like a personal connection with the audience that you really didn't get at a metallica show or like an anthrax show it no. just didn't happen that way you know so and you're totally right about Syracuse being an epicenter of vegan straight edge hardcore. I mean, it, you really can't overstate the importance of it. True. There were cities with bigger scenes and bigger bands, but earth crisis back in like the mid nineties kicked off a whole new wave of music that would not have existed without them. No. And many, many lives would be very different if that band never existed I mean, myself yeah. included it's so so different and I, I, I tell people that and there's still i mean there's a lot of people when i talk about the syracuse music scene here and i always bring them up i'm like man we've had some big names out of here but i don't know if anybody was like more influential on a culture or a subculture i should say than earth crisis i mean you can say roddy james dio yeah. was around here you know we can we talk about these musical icons but when we're talking about a social thing we're talking earth crisis man there ain't nobody touching them you know so it's like wow man it's so cool and i have the, i always had the utmost respect for all the guys in that band and still do to this day just for what they did and they still do i mean they're 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 legends yes. they're legends they're, and like what you just said what they still do like that band is still active yeah all those guys are still straight edge they're still vegan and, and they still really care it's not just it i mean it never was just a phase but it's like their life it's their lifestyle it's the foundation of who they are. It's not a show. They're not rock stars. They're real people who truly believe in everything that they say. Yeah. Because, the, I mean, you saw over the years, like when you got into that scene and you saw people that go straight edge or, uh, or vegan or vegetarian or anything like that, and then they fell out of it, which is okay. That's just, I mean, when you're young, I mean, you're sure. still trying to figure yourself out, but as you know, people kind of come and go, but to see those people that really stick with that and then really believe that, you know, 100% in their lives, man, it's just like, that's, that's a beautiful thing. You know, it's such a cool I, thing. To I see. agree. I agree. I, I think I'm one of the last of the Mohicans in Syracuse, you know, right. still one of the last of the diehards. And a lot of my friends, you know, are not straight edge anymore. They're not vegan anymore. And honestly, like, I don't care. Like, that's cool. Like, it doesn't really bother me. What matters is like, what kind of person you are, yes. you know, are you a good person? How yeah. do you treat people? Um, that to me is really what matters about people, not if they're vegan or they're edge. Right. And, and there was, that was always a little bit of a 
thing. It's like, oh, are we going to judge each other here on whatever side of the fence we're on? And are you going to judge me because I'm having a beer or if I'm eating a steak or you guys are doing that? And there's that kind of a weirdness thing factor. But as you gotten older, it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter as long as you're a good person and you, you do the right, you know, you do the right things. And I, I just respect you for that, you know, and, and that's really what it comes really what it comes down to. I agree. And I used to be that judgmental jerk when I was, you know, 18 to 25 <laughs> or whatever. But, you know, I'm 44 years old now and I have the, the uh, benefit of experience and maturity and hindsight to know what's really important in life and whether you drink a beer or not is not one of those things <laughs> that does not matter. Yeah. Just make good decisions. That's all I ask for, you know, like when I, like I've had so many times when I'm sitting in your restaurant and people come up like, I didn't, I didn't know you were vegan. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not vegan. I just like really good food, man. And this is an awesome place. So like, you know, this is, I, I like eating, I like eating here, you know, my daughter likes eating there, you know? So, so let's, let's, let's get away from the news, go back towards, towards Stronghearts. Now, you guys have grown in 13 years for one. And second of all, the whole industry of what you guys do has grown. So your options to be able to offer to people has grown and grown and grown. Hence probably why you've gotten out of the smaller space into the bigger space, because you have all these other options to add to your menu. And you've obviously, I mean, that has exploded. Like I can't even say how much in since when you opened the restaurant to now. So kind of give us a, uh, a, a, in a, in a microcosm, what was, what it was like 13 years ago as to what it's like now when it comes to supplying and the, the types of foods you can offer to people. Yeah. I mean, pretty much what you just said, the options for us, I mean, the different kinds of like plant milks that are out there now. I mean, oat milk didn't exist 13 years ago. And now it's like one of the most popular plant milks out there. Um, not only that, but just like alternative protein sources. I mean, 13 years ago, veggie burgers were like edible. They're okay, you know? <laughs> uh, nowadays, uh, you, we have the Beyond Burger and the Impossible Burger, which the Impossible Burger is almost indistinguishable from like real ground beef. Yeah. Like most people I agree. Can't, I've done it. Can't <laughs> tell, you know? I mean, Burger King serves it. That's how like realistic it is, you know? So... <laughs> The, you're right, the explosion in plant-based alternatives has, I mean, just skyrocketed in the last 13 years. Our sales, you know, last year, which admittedly was in a, a pandemic year, were the best we've ever had, <laughs> you know, um, triple what they were our first year. Um, and that's one of the major reasons why we had to build a new restaurant was because we outgrew our old restaurant. Our, our old restaurant was 800 square feet. Yeah. Our new one is 3,200 square feet, you know, but it's amazing how much you guys could do with 800 square feet. It was amazing. And how quickly you could get food out considering how much space you had. It's, it's good to hear that from, a customer, but that's not how it felt in the kitchen. <laughs> you oh, know? I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure when you're in the thick of it, like I wish it felt that way, you know, but the, the kitchen at our new spot is bigger than our entire old cafe is. If that gives you any uh, idea of like how much we've grown, you know, it's like a proper commercial restaurant kitchen. Whereas before, I mean, some people's home kitchens were bigger than our restaurant yeah. kitchen. And, I, and you, you had know, to, you so. had to evolve that a few times over the years. I remember like, Hey, we're closing now. We're making the kitchen a little bit bigger. We're making the kitchen a little bit bigger. Like you were doing <laughs> everything you could to like maximize the space without completely taking over the entire space that you had. And they're like, I'm sorry, you can't sit yeah. here cause we got to cook for you. <laughs> got to sit out on the sidewalk. So, so let me ask you this now, now with the explosion of, all the plant-based um, proteins and and the options for you know pastas and and it, we could go on and on. Is there a concern that um, there's people that there's companies that have gotten into it for the wrong reasons and they're doing it to exploit something and to just make money and then you run into the problem that you were trying to get away from in the original part of you becoming vegan is to get away from heavily processed you know, um, foods, uh, something that's more, you know, you know, I guess organic and based and not necessarily, but just very uh, more simplistic. And now you see the push to go this way. And, but you're, 
is there a point where it's like, man, it might tip to the other side and we might have a problem where there's too much going on here and then people are just eating some really bad shit? Yeah, I guess so. A couple responses to that. The first being just because you eat vegan doesn't mean you're healthy. Exactly. It's very, very possible to be unhealthy and be vegan. That's just a fact. Um, it all depends on what you eat, how you consume things. Processed food isn't necessarily bad. You know, everything's a balance. Um, is a Beyond Burger or an Impossible, Bur- Impossible Burger healthy per se? No. Is it healthier than red meat? Yes. <laughs> you know, th- those things are facts. Um, so not all processed food is bad. And then what you were saying about um, companies exploiting the market. I mean, that's the world we live in. That's capitalism. True. If there's a market, uh, companies will emerge to supply that market. Um, which honestly, I don't have a problem with people can choose what they want to eat and choose what they don't want to eat. And if your product is good and there's a call for it, your company will do well. And the opposite is true. So I think, as long as we leave the decision up to consumers and, and educate them about what is in both plant-based foods and meat and dairy and let them decide, I don't have a real problem with it. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, it all comes down to education. I mean, I've educated myself so much in the past three years with my, the way I eat and everything. And it's, 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 it's crazy to see how I eat now compared to how I eat, you know, three, four years ago. It's, it's just, and it wasn't, it was something I consciously did and I just educated myself and you can find your way around all that stuff because eventually you'll find out what's good for you and what's not, you know? So, but I mean, to, to be able to walk into different stores, especially like places like Wegmans and just see the entire middle part of their store dedicated to just that style of food and gluten-free and everything else, it just shows you where it's going. But, you know, with everybody, just because you make that jump to do that doesn't mean you're just going to immediately become healthier, you know, because you can, you can see 400 pound people that are not eating meat either. You know, those people exist too, you know? So, uh, it's, it's not just because you made that choice to become, become healthy, you know? And I, you know, I can be an unhealthy vegan, you know, when you have access to cupcakes and milkshakes all day, you're (laughs) going to partake. And there was many years where I was unhealthy and overweight. Um, it took a lot of, and that's actually how I, how I got into like running and fitness was I realized, Hey, I'm pushing 200 pounds, which for me was like the heaviest I'd ever been. I'm like, I need to change, <laughs> you know? So, um, I stopped eating those things, uh, the high, highly processed, high sugar, high fat, high oil things and went to a more, whole food plant-based diet. And not that I don't enjoy a milkshake every now and then, but I really drastically reduced uh, essentially my vegan junk food intake and replaced it with a lot of whole food type stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that, that's, um, that's, it, that's, it is. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. I said in the intro, I was like, man, if, if I gave you guys a shake from strong hearts and just said, Hey man, I got you a milkshake and awesome, you know, and they drank it. I'm like, I guarantee you would never know that you weren't right. drinking something that was not dairy. And you might think it was better than any other milkshake you've ever had in your life, which I totally think so. How many flavors is there on the menu? Cause that's like, that's your, like, that's like your thing there. It's like 30. Right now, I believe we have 48 flavors <laughs> of milkshakes and we use 13 different flavors of ice cream bases to uh, achieve those 48 flavors. And then we'll mix in things like fruit or cookies to, you know, create the additional flavors. I know it's, it's when you walk into the old place and you're looking up and you're like, what's that up there? Like, that's just a shake menu. (laughs) And people, Oh my God. What you said, what you said about people, you know, thinking that, our vegan milkshakes are as good, if not better than dairy milkshakes is true. Like we hear that constantly people will come up and be like, are you sure there's no dairy in this? Like I'm allergic. Like I'll get sick. I'm like, no, <laughs> there, there's, there's no actual animal dairy in there. 
people just don't believe it because it tastes just like a dairy milkshake. It does. I mean, the company that makes that ice cream is like, I mean, they, it, you source it from the same place, right? It's like someplace in we Chicago, do. right? Chicago. Yep. Yeah. We get it from a place called, uh, the Chicago, Chicago vegan foods. And they've been our supplier the whole time we've been open. That's awesome that you guys are, and, but there's also times when you have time, a hard time sourcing it and you walk in and there's a big, you know, you can't even see it. You've had to put up paper over the top. Like, we're sorry. Like we don't have the ice cream right now. You're like, Oh, come on. You're like, I'm here. But yeah, you know. we've, so since we've moved, we, I don't think that's happened once because we have so much more space now we're ordering like double the amount. So we like never run out anymore. <laughs> that, that, that's great. But I'm just, I'm, I'm glad that you guys have gone into a bigger space and, and it's, it's made your menu be able to, like you can cater to, you can make things more accessible. You don't have to just completely like, well, we can only do this on Tuesdays. We can only do this on Wednesdays or we can only do this on certain days. Like you have the space to be able to really expand that menu and, and, and you do, you know, but I mean, is there, is there a part of you that misses that old place? You know, it's gotta be already. Um, I mean, for the functionality of like a working restaurant, no, I don't miss it at all. Right. Um, for sentimental reasons. Yeah. I mean, that'll always be like where we got our start and who knows what the future holds, but that'll always be like our first home. So it does have a special place in that regards. But the fact that we have a fully functioning restaurant now doesn't make me miss it. Awful. Right. Yeah. I guess there's two, there's two, there's two trains of thought with that. So where do you, what's now that you've gotten this and this was a huge step for you guys and a huge step for the business uh, and a huge goal of yours. Like, and now that you hit this goal, knowing how I am, like I hit this goal, I'm like, all right, what's next? So what's, what do you see? I mean, it doesn't have to be right now, but I mean, do you have a, do you have a vision going further now that you've gotten to this step and that now you've got some mind space to like, okay, this is, this is where I see it going next. Yeah, um, we do. And that would be to expand and do what we do in Syracuse and do that in other places. Yeah. Um, we have systematized and organized things in a very, very efficient way at the new shop, which we feel is very replicable elsewhere. Like we've got it down. We've got our systems down. It's taken us, you know, almost a full year since we've been at the new shop to get everything kind of down pat. But we finally feel we're at the point where we have a very, very popular and profitable brand and we could make it popular and profitable in other cities as well. So I was wondering if that was what your, your, your end goal would be because I mean, the reason why franchises work, why Burger King works, why Pizza Hut works, why McDonald's works is because if you're in Syracuse, you can get this and then and then you can go to um, other other places around the country. And um, that beeping is another call coming. We'll just ignore it. But like if you if you go to, you know, somewhere in Arkansas and go to a Burger King or a Pizza Hut or one of those places, you're going to get the same thing, you know, like, okay, I know what kind of meal I'm going to, I know what kind of experience I'm going to get. So I want to get those things. So that's what you want to be able to do with any kind of expansion. It's like, you want to be able to like have the same experience food wise, you know, consistency is so important, you know, and I think you guys have gotten to that point where it's like, man, all right, I think we we've got it now. And, and I mean, you guys have such a, the thing you being in the in in the scene that scene or at least the vegan scene for as long as you've had for 30 years you have friends all over the country whether it's because you made friends in the music scene or you made friends in the food scene that like there's a huge network and you guys are pretty strong together so that you know building upon that could probably be a lot easier than what some people would be for up against absolutely and i've lived in other parts of the country too and i've traveled extensively i've been to 48 of the 50 states, you know, so I, I, I travel often. Um, I lived in Atlanta, Georgia for two years and Los Angeles for three years. Um, so you're right. I do have contacts all over the country and, you know, people are doing what we're doing in other places. There's other successful, um, vegan 
chains out there that are doing very, very well and probably will continue to do well as the plant-based lifestyles. What's a, what's a vegan, what, what's one of the vegan chains? Cause I don't know if I'm familiar with any of them cause obviously they're not around here. So what? Um, a- yeah. The biggest one is called veggie grill mm-hmm. and I believe they have 35 locations throughout the U S mostly West coast. Um, they do have one that opened in New York city last year. So they're kind of expanding this way. So that's definitely the biggest. And then there's another one called native foods, which has maybe a dozen locations mostly in the West and the Midwest. Um, there's not a ton of chain stuff going on on the East coast, other than this one called by Chloe, which is pretty much just New York and Boston right now, Yeah, but they are popping up. They are definitely popping up. And, you know, we feel that our brand is strong enough to eventually compete with them. I agree. I mean, I haven't eaten at those places, but I know you guys, <laughs> I know what I like and I know, I know that it'll, it'll go well. I mean, anybody who I've ever taken there that, you know, they're like, they, they love it, you know? So it, that's great to hear. Cause that's exactly the kind of feedback that we're going for. Um, yes, it's cool to appeal to vegans, but we need to appeal to everyone if we're going to be doing well in the future. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to expand, especially because I mean, I mean, to, to try to open a, a vegan restaurant in like Texas would be a little more challenging, <laughs> you know, because I mean, yeah. you're, you're just surrounded by cows, you know, like people are like, yep, that's a, I've, I've been to steakhouses in Texas that like the cows that are out back in the steakhouse are the ones that you're eating in, in the steakhouse. So it's like, okay, yeah, you're in, you're in beef country right now. So you'd be surprised. There are vegan restaurants in Texas, actually really good ones. And I mean, there's, I can't say this for sure, but there's probably now a vegan restaurant in almost every state. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I have would. a I have a, a good friend who owns a vegan restaurant in Omaha, Nebraska. I mean, like state country, you know. Yes. Um, and her restaurant does extremely well. So <laughs> yeah. I feel like if if vegan places can do well in Texas and Omaha, you can really do it anywhere. Yeah. Cause I also go to the one in Rochester, the red fern is that, that, that was the, it's in yeah. that one up there and they do, yep. they do, a, they do a, a solid job too, you know? So, um, yeah, my friend Andrea owns the red fern and she does a fantastic job with they, everything. They do, they do a, like a garbage plate there. They do, you know, they call it, yeah. the cotton, they call it the compost plate. So anybody from Rochester, <laughs> yep. like the first time I went to her, I'm like, I gotta get this because in college I ate garbage plates all the time. You know me and the guys from the football team. So I'm like, sure. I gotta have a compost plate and, my buddy's like, what is that? I'm like, well, he wasn't from Rochester, so he didn't get it. I'm like, and it's, that's awesome that they have like this, you know, they took the local flavor and they turned it into self. And, and they're a very small restaurant too. And I'm surprised what they can do in a, a very tiny space. That space is smaller than the original Strong Arts location. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close to it. And they've been open, I think, uh, six going on seven years now, you know? Yeah. Well, let me, I'm trying to think there was a, there was one question I had in my head a little little while ago. It's like, do you, here's, here's my train of thought. Do you think that we could get the world to be mainly plant-based eating wise? And this isn't just on a social aspect, but like I've read a lot of stuff, like how, how farming would have to change, how, you know, how all this stuff would have to change if we as a whole started going more plant-based and it would strain us for a little while until we kind of figured it out because it, uh, meat production or the way we do meat is, is, is more, I don't know if this is the word efficient to be able to feed massive amounts of people. Is this making sense to you? The question? Yeah. And it, it is, and it's not going to happen overnight. Um, getting the world to go plant-based, but at our current rate of global population growth and climate change, there needs to be changes and there already are changes. Um, I think once plant-based proteins and cultured meat, so basically meat that is biologically identical to animal flesh, animal muscle, animal protein, but is cultured in a uh, sterile lab-like setting, which again has already happened. Yeah. I mean, Joe, Joe, Rogan was just right ta- now. Joe Rogan was talking about it a couple of weeks ago with a guy named Mark Sisson. So, okay. Yep. Um, I followed that space very closely 
And once that happens, once that's perfected and the taste is identical, which it will be because the product is biologically the same and the price is comparable or even lower than traditional meat, it's game over. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's no, game over. It is. And, and I've had this conversation with my, my good friend. And, and I mean, he was my nutritionist to start with. And now he's become one of my best friends. And we have these conversations a lot on runs, you know, because he's done both. He's, he's eaten every style of that he coaches or he teaches people so that anyone wants to come in and be like, Hey, I want to go keto. I want to go, I want to go carnivore. I want to go vegan. I want to go vegetarian. I want to do, I want to do pescatarian. And he's like, I have to kind of know where it is. And we've had these conversations. He's like, man, he goes, there have to be a major change in the way we produce food before that becomes the actual viable option. But he goes, when it does, he goes, you're going to see, you're going to, you're going to see us all kind of move towards that. He goes, it'll just happen, you know? It's it's not a matter of when, or I'm sorry, it's not a matter of if that'll happen, it's a matter of when, because, because it is going to happen. Like it's being worked on right now and people are investing billions of dollars to make it happen because it has to. Animal agriculture and meat and dairy is, according to the United Nations, the single biggest contributor to greenhouse gases, yep, which absolutely. in turn affects climate change, you know, so... We, it's, it's not a matter of um, wanting to change because we have to change as uh, a species if we want to continue no, to and have a beer. <laughs> yeah, and we, th- this isn't just a thing about like, well, I don't want you to eat animals, but like, because, you know, you shouldn't eat animals. And like, no, we're talking much bigger than that. That's only a small piece of the much larger picture. Like, we're trying to make sure our planet survives, our species survives. And like, the natural progression seems to go that way. I've, I've read all that. Um, the only thing that I've read that were, you know, where people will argue is that there's certain things that meat can provide nutritionally that they haven't yet figured out how to be able to transfer over into more plant-based. Is that, have you heard that argument before? The, the only, the, the, actually the only, um, nutritional element that cannot be obtained in a plant-based diet is B12. Um, which can be synthesized and is used to fortify vegan foods. That's literally the only thing. I didn't know. Because That's when you something think about I didn't it, know. <laughs> when, when you think about it, what are the cows eating before you eat the cow? <laughs> right. Well, they, well, that's what they, Joe, Joe Rogan said that when he had Mark Sisson on there and they were talking about all this and Mark, Mark Sisson is, is eating all different kinds of ways and everything like that. And he's like, man, he goes, the problem with, you know, our meats is that like they just they're eating crap. He goes, but when he goes, when we first came here in the United States and you walked across the you saw all these big bison and these buffalo run around, what were they eating? They're eating grass. They ate that, you know, he goes, that's the problem. He goes, they, you know, they eat the wrong things now. And then their fertilizer to fertilize the land is not correct because they're not eating the correct things. So he goes, then he goes, then it starts affecting our agriculture because now we're, I think it was what they brought up. It's like 26 seasons or 27 seasons left for the, for our, 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 as a whole, our, um, our earth will be able to produce the food that we need. We're going to literally see a decline because our, our soil isn't going to have the right stuff to be able to grow anything. It's a scary prospect for sure. And that, that, that could be within our, that could be within our lifetime that that happens, you know? So our discussion of being able to go like towards that route, is like it's a very viable option. When it becomes that a, a, a very viable option, I might go that way as well. You know, um, I, I mean, it's definitely going to be in your lifetime. <laughs> I mean, I, I would I would give it another probably decade. You know, so ten years before um, alternative proteins are cheaper than animal proteins. Yeah, and that's and that's what it really comes down to. Because I mean when you're trying to feed a family of five on a very shoestring budget impossible burgers are not an option for you. You know, you're going to have to go for the, you're going to have to go over the ground beef. You're going to have to go for the whole chickens. You're going to have to do those things to be able to do that. And I mean, I even making those decisions on on myself, on my own, you know, because I've had these conversations in my head and then people ask me like, well, man, how could you ever give up meat? And I'm like, well, you know, I could, 
But I mean, honestly, in the past three years, I can see it more now than I ever could see it before. I mean, am I going to do it? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I'm just one of those people always thinking about it. I mean, some days I'm barely eating any meat at all. It's mainly vegetables and fruit and, 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 and nuts and nut butters. And I mean, I don't even really eat that much bread anymore, to be honest with you, if, if at all. So it's like I can, I'm already changing. So if once the option is there, absolutely. You know, I could see myself sure. doing that, you know, and I think most Americans are, are in a very similar place that you are. Many Americans when polled say there's at least one day a week where they eat no meat. You know, and yeah. that was not true 20 years ago. No. So it's only going to keep progressing in that direction. That's yeah. And, and, and that's where, I, I mean, anytime you talk up anybody who talks about future and, and the, the survival of the species, it always ends up whether, whether it's going to be or not, it always comes down like, what are we going to be eating at that point in our life? How are we going to be able to extend the life of the people, you know, and our species? And it really always comes down. So like, Hey, we've all gone to plant-based or we don't do, we don't, we don't, we don't mass produce cows anymore, you know, but you know, but and this could be a, a growing thing for the farmers to be able to, I mean, cause that's the thing It's like, you know, man, what are you going to do with these dairy farmers that are like three, four generations of dairy farmers and beef farmers? Like how do they transition? You know, because you don't want to completely kill an industry and people's livelihoods at the same time, you know? So I mean, they're already starting to transition. There's uh, a former dairy out near Buffalo called Elmhurst, which was like a third generation dairy farm that now produces, I, uh, they produce plant milk. <laughs> they milk, they make milk out of soy and oats and walnuts. And it's an awesome product, you know? So they've transitioned to being like an animal dairy into a plant-based dairy. So, that's just one example. And I, I'm, I know every farmer can do that, right. but if they're interested in continuing in agriculture, I mean, the meteor is in the sky, you yeah. know, it's, 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 it's coming down. It's, it's going to hit earth. <laughs> right. No, it's a, t- um, it's a ticking thing. And it's like, when you watch businesses that uh, transition and businesses that grow, you know, something like, I mean, this kind of relates in a way, but like, the people, the the generation that is now running Beacon Skiff Apple Orchards saw that like, hey man, you know, there's a ton of apple orchards. We can pick apples, but what do we, where are we taking our business now? And that's when all of a sudden they expanded into like, you know, we're making ciders, we're making liquors, they're making, they're doing CBD now, they're doing all this stuff like that. Beacon Skiff is not the Beacon Skiff that we had as we got younger. So they saw the future and they adapted to it. And then the, and this is what these farmers and these people are going to have to do to enable to, to, you know, to keep it going, you know? So, I mean, for example, my daughter never, she doesn't drink milk, never has never. I mean, she had mom's milk and then we went, we immediately put her on um, rice milk and oat milk that was fortified, hmm. you know. And the, was it because of an allergy? No, we just didn't think as humans, like we we're not really supposed to consume milk other than the time that we're breastfeeding, you know, correct. You know, we're not, we're uh, cow's, not, milk is, cow's milk is designed to turn an 80 pound calf into an 800 pound cow in a year. You know, it's not designed to be consumed by humans and shouldn't be. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the only time you're supposed to have milk, you know? So like we just kind of made that decision and we just didn't want her to, and, and, and now that's all, that's all she really ever, if she wants it, that's what she wants, you know? Or, or, and then, then she did have like chocolate milk once, like real chocolate milk. And she's like, wow, I don't feel good. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's cause you never had <laughs> wow. it. And if that, right, doesn't, right. if that doesn't show you what it's, what it's like when you, when you don't, um, you don't have it, you know? what it does. So, I mean, it just shows you what your, what your body can go through. So it's just, it's going to be real interesting because like I said, we're really on the cusp of, um, um, of seeing that turning point finally happen. And it's gotta be on your end after, you know, waving the flag for 30 years, for three decades to kind of see this start to come to fruition. It's gotta be pretty exciting. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome to feel like, you know, we were kind of ahead of the curve and, everything we're talking about hunger and put and uh, climate change and the industry changing. Those are all bigger issues for people that are a lot smarter than me. 
I just own a restaurant. (laughs) You know, I just own a restaurant that serves vegan food and uh, I'm concerned about that primarily um, and keeping it going. And things are looking great for us. Um, Every single year we've been in business, sales have increased, you know, so. um, And it's all you can answer, especially in the past year. It's like, man, so many restaurants and so many businesses just didn't make it or are on life support at this point or have had to drastically change how they do their business because they can't source the certain things. I went, I went to one of my favorite Italian restaurants and their menu is like considerably like one third the size that it used to be just because one, they can't source it. They don't have the staff. They have all these things. And it just, I'm like, Oh, that's kind of scary. And they're like, Oh, it's more redefined. You don't have as many choices. I'm like, yeah, but I think you're spinning it in a way to like make up for the fact that like, man, you're, you're struggling for So for you guys to, who have thrived in the middle of it, you're like, because I'm sure right when that first happened, you're like, oh shit, we're like, we're just about to make the biggest <laughs> leap in our in the history of our business, and this Dude, is happening. The timing, the oh. timing was crazy. Like the construction on our new shop started, I believe, on March eighth of last year, <laughs> and then the shutdown was literally like, eight days later. Yeah, you're like, oh <laughs> man, they're like, all right, it was. This is not good. It was scary as hell. Like it was scary as hell. There was March, April, and May uh, at the old shop. Like it was, we were, we were on life support. Like I didn't take a paycheck for three months because we couldn't afford it. (laughs) You know, like we had to pay like our employees and our vendors first. Yeah. So we definitely had to scrimp by and we had, we can only do takeout and delivery and that changed, which was actually for the better because now we have a very robust online ordering system that people use right. all the time. That's, that's um, one of the good things for restaurants and a lot of these places. Like now there's like, you've developed a whole other way for people to get food because I, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't want to go out. You know, they want to experience these right. places, but in the majority of people, and this is why my business has thrived inside of Twitch. And it's like, well, don't you think it's going to, it's going to die out that you're just performing on Twitch and now the world's coming back. I'm like, I go, do you understand like 95% of the world's population at home? They're at home. They're homebodies. Right. People are homebodies and they don't go out for a number of reasons. One, because they have kids. I mean, there's a number of reasons why you can't go out. So to be able to offer that experience to somebody who doesn't go out, now you have that. And for the people that are on the go, it's like, man, I really want some strong hearts, but I, I only got a five minutes and then you can get, just get it now. So it's been a way to expand your business and increase your revenue and other revenue stream. I'm glad you've been able to adapt. Um, yeah. It kind of reminds me of the old adage that the strongest survive, which is actually not true. It's the ones that are like best suited to adapt that survive, yes. you know, yes. the, the strongest don't always survive, you know, Denny's bankrupt, you know, yeah. uh, they, you know, were a mainstay for a long time, but they, I'm not sure exactly why they closed, but they clearly didn't adapt to the modern day pandemic world and they closed, you yeah. know? So, yeah. I mean, and they're just one of many, many huge chains that have closed. Yeah. So. I mean, I think a lot of that was already trending and the pandemic just kind of sped it up, pushed it over the edge. You know, yeah. you know, I mean, you think about places like, if we're going to get deeper into, into businesses, but you, you know, you think about Sears and JC Penney's and, and Kmart and, you know, you think all these places that were staples for us as kids are all gone. You know, it's, it's such yeah, a different, it's such a different world that we live in and it's a very niche uh, world. You know, I talk about it often on my Twitch is like, like, you know, it's, it's about niches now. And once you live in that niche, then you just thrive inside of your niche you know, you cater to the people that are inside there and you hope that that niche grows a little bit more, but like stop running around trying to grab people that don't really don't not interested in your niche, but you can thrive inside of it, you know? So, but, uh, I guess we'll wrap it up. We'll get back to this thing, but I'm so glad that I finally got a chance to get you on here. Cause we were going to try this before yeah. and you're like, man, I just, I'd rather wait until I got, you know, my feet back underneath me. And I got, I finally got the podcast up and running because, uh, I like offering these things to people to, to listen to. And, and, and this is quite a story and it's one that I'm always, I'm always proud of you guys. Cause I'm always, you know, one, because I've just loved 
love the business itself. And second of all, you know, we're home, we're from the same hometown. So like, we're always rooting for each other, like do well, you know, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah something square, you know, we've something, something square, we're doing well, you know? So, uh, if you guys haven't, obviously in the links of all these, uh, on the socials, you'll be able to check it out on, uh, if you're not from the area, if you ever do come to the area, you have to check it out. Um, and, uh, and Joel, we'll have to have you back on another time. Maybe we'll talk music next time because I mean, we we brushed upon it, but that's a whole other side of this thing, too. So it's it's a huge part of the influence, uh, in not only in my life but in the entire vegan culture. So yeah. I think there's definitely some correlation between music and veganism, especially in therapy. Yes. So part two will be coming soon. So uh, stop down to strong hearts and, and get all something that is wonderful down there. You can even indulge on every level, a cupcake, a, 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 a cookie, a, a shake. You have to try a shake no matter what you have to eat there. And then you have to get a shake as well. So, uh, thank you. For, just you. Yes, I will. Yeah. It's all when I said, you. and, uh, and we'll be seeing each other soon, man. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. There you have it, folks. It was a great conversation, and it's it's the thought process that I go through quite a bit, and I have for years, just because once I got more in tune with my nutrition, that's always a conversation that you have when you start getting healthy and you start eating healthy. Uh, it's like, are you going to go vegan? Are you going to go vegetarian? Are you going to what are you going to do here? So it's like, it's it's something that I've contemplated. I mean, I don't know if I ever will because, I mean, there's certain parts of uh, uh, an omnivore diet that I really, really love. And I don't know if I ever be able to give up. But at the same time, if the world trends in a certain way and I start to see my body start to trend in a certain way, then we'll go with it. Um, the great thing is that there's not that much of a division anymore. Like I said, and Joel and I discussed, there's this whole part of where, you know, both sides kind of looked at each other like, man. Like you're a meat eater. Oh, well you don't. And you're judging me because I ate meat and you don't drink beer and why you never enjoy life and blah, blah. So there there was that kind of friction for a long time. And that friction I think is gone. I mean, the friction is always there. Um, but I think it's really, it's, it's broken down. As Joel said, he goes, he was, he was that kind of person for a while, but he's like, I don't care. Just be a good person. That's really what it comes down to always. So if you guys are in the Syracuse area, anytime, Go check out Strong Hearts. There's a location that the new location, which is down off of Genesee Street. I can't remember the exact street that it's off. It's off of Genesee Street um, uh, near Phoebe's Cafe and Franco's Pizza and that part of East Genesee Street. Go down there and stop there. Or if you're up on the hill on the SU campus, you can go to the smaller location that they have in the old Marshall Square Plaza. Uh, their menu is a little more limited up there, but you know, do that. And if wherever you are, go check out a vegan restaurant sometime. Even if you haven't, I guarantee you're going to find something on there that you're going to absolutely love. And, and, and I'm a foodie. That's the reason why I love strong hearts. It's good food it has nothing to do with, you know, like, Oh, I'm here because I'm vegan. It's, it's good food, man. And, and, and good people. Uh, and Joel, like I said, is a dear friend and we've known each other a long, long time. So I just want to see, keep seeing them thrive. Click on there. Even if you want to, you can order a t-shirt. They will probably ship anywhere in the world. You can get a t-shirt and support them in any way possible. So thank you everybody. Episode 30 now under our belts. What are we going to have next week? I don't know. Stay tuned, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Just Joe Podcast. Yeah!